So anyway, uh, I'll tell you more about my failure this week uh, as we get going. But um, uh, so I just, um, you know, I say this almost every time I'm talking, just how amazed I am by God's word, and and um, it, it just, uh, um, I just believe it's inspired. Obviously, it's inspired is God's word. It's inspired, and um, but the more I read it, the more it just it's like it, it's. I mean, who would write a story or stories that could come together like this? And and you'll see what I'm talking about a little bit um, more tonight. Um, uh, we talked about last week how you know in these verses um, one through twelve, um, James starts talking about the tongue, and and um, and I kind of tied things together with the heart, you know, based on other scriptures to talk about um, the, the mouth speaks out of what fills the heart, right? And um, but you didn't see James really talk anything about the heart here in verses one through twelve. But here, starting next week, um, starting in verse 13 and then chapter 4, I mean, it's got one message. The message is that it's all about your selfish hearts. You know, that is the problem. And so so he's talking about the tongue, and starting next week, he's going to focus on what the real problem is. And, you, and you'll, you'll see that starting next week. And so... so um, so God knows, you know, what, what's, uh, what the issue is. And, um, and then, and then we talked about how last week that, uh, you know, Hey, where's the practical advice, James? I mean, here's one through 12 and you're telling us about the tongue and the power of the tongue and the influence the tongue has and the destruction that the tongue can have. But why not give us some practical instruction on how we should use the tongue and, when it's appropriate and when it's not appropriate. Well, that's what I was going to say is we're waiting until this week and um, uh, it's going to go pretty fast um, and I'm going to let just God's word do most of the talking, okay, instead of me. Um, but James actually touches on so many areas of speech. We just, we're just going to go from cover to cover in James and just talk about where he is actually saying, say this, use your words to say this, pray this, sing this song, or do this thing with your mouth. And, he, and, he, and, he, and it's all over the book of James. And it's just, um, it's just amazing that, you know, we think when we read the book of James, or at least I do, like, oh, he just talks about uh, speech, you know, here in James 3. And then maybe a little bit in James 4. Um, but then he really is talking about it all the way through. So, um, <clears throat> as we said, one of the significant takeaways from last week was to understand the relationship between the words we speak and our hearts. And um, the key verse is, is Luke 6.45 where Jesus said, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Um, so this afternoon, I've got some good news. Oh, well, before I give you the good news and the bad news, um, I just want to paraphrase that verse and say it like this. Our words are like a mirror of our hearts, okay? So 
there's some good news and some bad news from from that that our words mirror our hearts. And the good news is that because what we speak is a mirror of our hearts, we have a real easy way of diagnosing our hearts. Okay? So that's good news. But the bad news is that because what we speak is a mirror of our hearts, we have an easy way of diagnosing our hearts. So it goes both ways. Um, So anyway, um, that segues into another thing. Um, uh, Well, we'll just just get right in here. uh, so we're basically going to boil this down into ba- basically 18 actions as we, as we go from cover to cover in the book of James. Um, I'm going to tee these up as 18 actions that, uh, oh, you know what? I had 20 at the beginning when I started, but now it's 18. So I literally can't say I'm going to tee these up as 18 <laughs> actions because let's, let's go through a round of golf here together. Um, uh, so James is proposing that we these actions that we make regarding the use of our tongues, okay? And um, I'm going to leave it <clears throat> up to our A&I times more to look at some of the applications to, because as we said, you know, our tongues are a mirror of, of our hearts. Um, so in the A&I times, the exercise will be to basically tie a potential heart issue to each of these actions, you know? Um, James is exhorting us to do something with our tongues, but if we're not doing it, then what is that tied to in our hearts? What's going on in our hearts for why we are not doing this with our tongues? Okay, we'll jump right in. The first action is, and then I'll share the verse in James, okay? Um, instead of having to flip all the way through and read these little words, I've got it <clears throat> on my iPad here. So, But I'll, I'll read the verses to you and if you want to jot them down. I'm also going to read some other verses, and my prayer in the back before I came up here was just that God's Word would speak something to each one of you today, um, not necessarily my words, but, but God's Word, and I know when I share God's Word, even other verses I'm going to share from Proverbs and everything, that's typically what happens to me, if, if someone, I don't know about you guys, and, and I'm fine with it if you're like, oh, you know what, you shared that verse and it really spoke to me. Hey, that's great, because I don't care if you don't remember any of the words that I share, okay? Just remember God's words, okay? And that's really what happens. When when I'm hearing a preacher or something, I don't remember some great story or something he told. I normally remember there's something, verse, piece of a verse that he shared, and God, like, implants it in me, and I'm like, that's something that I need to act on. You know, and that's that's what I want to happen, you know? not remember some non-verse that I talked about, you know. Okay, but the first action is this. One, when in trials, use your tongue to ask God for wisdom and faith. And this comes from James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him, but let him ask in faith. So if you think back to that passage in James 1, it, it's silent on what you should not do with your tongue. It does not say when you encounter trials of various kinds, use your tongue to complain. 
Um, it doesn't say to start speaking bad about the person who may have caused this trial in your life. It doesn't say to internalize bitter thoughts towards God and others and shake your fist and so forth. But no, it says to ask God for wisdom and to ask in faith. So why do we need to ask God for his wisdom when we're going through trials? Well, because we need his wisdom to penetrate the soil of our hearts and help us realize that his promises are true. And one of those, the things that we need to realize most importantly when we're going through trials is that he will not let any bad thing happen to us that will not ultimately bring us more good than destruction. Okay, I'm going to say that again. This promise is one that he wants to get through to us when we're going through trials, that he will not let any bad thing happen to us that will not ultimately bring us more good than destruction. Um, and that promise is right there, even in James 1, when he talks about using the trial to bring us to full maturity. So, um, you know, I'm sure that many of you are going through trials, and, and I'm going to share a story from work, and, uh, you know, I'm going to call it a trial, but um, <clears throat> I'm sure it's not compared to many trials that some are facing right now. <clears throat> but, um, uh, ironically, um, I might say that um, uh, last week I talked about teachers being held to a stricter judgment, and uh, it didn't even dawn on me that, and I, I should know this by now, that, you know, when we get up here and you know, we say something that God might give us a test, like, <laughs> the next week, um, but it did dawn on me that uh, one of the purposes of this trial that happened this week was to God might have been putting it in my life to see if I practiced what I preached. Um, and uh, all I can say is that I hope I have more chances to follow through because uh, this one didn't go so good. Um, but um, so um, I, I don't think I shared this last week because I think it just happened this week. I'm trying to remember, but um, anyway, there was a situation was where um, uh, my boss, you know, he uh, situation is where a certain worker doesn't get their work done on time, um, should have been done months ago, and then all of a sudden it, the deadline is here, and so my boss is like, hey, I need you, you, and you to get this work done in two weeks because the deadline is here. And I'm just sitting there thinking, I'm one of those yous, and I am not happy that said person slacked or did not get their work done, and now I've got to do it, you know, on top of my other work, you know, and so this person gets off on not having to do it, and now I have to do their work on top of my work, and so, so let's just call that a trial. Um, well, let's, let's go through the checklist and see how I did. Did I pray and ask God for wisdom? No. Did I submit my heart to God's providence in the trial? No. Did I make a conscious effort to be thankful for my job than to complain about the situation? No. Did I try to discern the positive benefits that could come about through this situation? No. 
Did this circumstance cause me to see more of my dependence on God? Yes. <laughs> but I didn't do anything about it. So, really, that didn't help. Even though this person who, in my mind, due to their slacking, causes others on the team to have to bear more of a workload work burden, they're not an enemy, you know, per se, um, you know, biblically, but my attitude towards them, I mean, sure, was thinking of them as an enemy. Okay, I wasn't happy with them, especially. So in light of that, let's see about these other things that I consider how to love my enemies at that moment. No. Did I consider how to bless those who curse me? No. Do good to those who hate me? No. Pray for those who despitefully use me and persecute me? No. So, so you'll see, the next time you experience trials or are in them right now, I hope you'll see why we need God's wisdom. Okay? Um, in fact, it's interesting, but the word if, um, in this verse, if any of you lacks wisdom in, in the Greek, um, and sometimes this is oftentimes with the word, you see it, if, in the New Testament translations here, but in this situation, it's in a, a first-class condition, uh, which means that it assumes the reality of the situation, so virtually it could more properly read, since you need wisdom, um, ask God. And um, so God assumes that you're going to need wisdom when you're in these trials. And um, I did, and, and yes, we all do. So the second action is this. To use my tongue to boast only in my exaltation in Christ or my humiliation in the world. This comes from James 1, 9, and 10. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. So, regardless of what you think about your economic condition in this room today, if you consider your economic status to be in the lacking or lowly category, the action is to boast in the fact that you have been raised with Christ, that he will conform us to his image, and Jesus is exalted when we boast about how he saved us, how his grace was sufficient, how he made us righteous. And may we all echo Paul, what he said to the Galatians, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. On the other hand, if you consider your economic status to be in the abundant category, the action is sort of the same. We're to boast not in economic stability or wealth or power or strength or anything that the world esteems. That's what he means by, you know, boast in, rather in humiliation, not, not in, in these things that the world esteems, but rather, again, boast in the fact that your identification is in Christ alone and the status that his kingdom alone grants you. That's where our status comes from. Even if we're in a high economic status. Um, so boast in those things. The third action is this. Guard your mouth from saying inappropriate, untrue, or rash statements. And this comes from James 1.13, where James says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. 
in a sense, well, for one, that's an untrue statement this person's making. <clears throat> and number two, it's a rash statement, and it's inappropriate. Um, James is saying, no one should be saying this statement. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's untrue, it's rash, it's inappropriate. And, uh, but, but we need to guard our mouths in the bigger picture from saying statements like this, okay? And um, some verses that go along with this are Proverbs 21, 23, which says, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. And then Proverbs 13, 3, which says, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. And then Proverbs 10, 19 says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The fourth action is this, and we spent a lot of time on this when we're going through James, it says, to be constantly quick to hear and slow to speak. And of course, this comes from James 1.19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Um, there's a Proverbs that goes with this. Proverbs 12.18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. And you know, when you think of a sword thrust, it's just it's just like quick and sharp, you know, it's not slow, it's just, it's not slow, it's, it's fast, and meant to, meant to harm, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So we've kind of already gone over this, but I've really been thinking about this a lot since um, last week, um, and as we know, our hearts are connected to um, what comes out of our mouths, it makes sense that we should be slow to speak, uh, because um, our natural fleshly response to something might be to just uh, say something rash in response to a situation, um, just naturally, you know, I read that email from my boss, and uh, I just, I wanted to, I really wanted to complain to someone, I wanted to have someone else on board with me, like, isn't this unfair, isn't this terrible that we have to do this thing, you know, um, but if we just had a few minutes to pray, just ask God to help us get our hearts in a right state, then we could avoid sinning with our mouths. And um, obviously in the story I, I told a few minutes ago, I, I didn't do any of that. Um, well, the fifth action is this. To learn God's ways, that we need to learn God's ways of speaking to all people without partiality. Learn God's ways of speaking to all people without partiality. Or another way to say that would be just to speak to all people equally, um, as Jesus would. Uh, James 2, 1 through 4 says this, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down on my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? When we speak differently to different groups of people, 
Could it be because in our hearts we're basing our treatment of one group of people on something that God clearly is saying is not to be the basis of how we are to treat them? I mean, just, again, it probably goes back to our hearts and we're just, we're thinking... I'm going to treat these people differently than these people, so therefore my mouth is going to speak differently to these people than these people. And um, and really what we're told is uh, that we are to speak to all people on the basis of one treatment alone, and, and that is, it was right here in James chapter 3, and that is that we are to see everyone as made in the likeness of God. And um, that's, that's the answer to how we are to speak to all people. <clears throat> well, I think like uh, the booster to number five um, is here in number six. And number six is, the action is, speak in the consciousness of the basis of God's judgment. All right? So uh, what I mean is um, be aware that... Um, be conscious and aware that there's a judgment coming. And, and James alludes to it like this in James 2.12. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. Um, and for James, he sums up what the law of liberty is. In James 2.8, he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So in his mind, he's like, so speak and so act as you're going to be judged according to this law, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And for Paul, he kind of talks about um, the law of liberty in Galatians 5.13, and he says it like this, that the law of liberty is through love, serve one another. So it's not, not, not a, kind of similar. But if we were judged against this law of liberty, would we be able to provide evidence if we were up on the stand and, and there was a show me evidence of how you um, spoke in a way that uh, you spoke to others as you desired others to speak to you. You know, show me the evidence. Uh, could we show God the evidence that we spoke to others the way that we desired others to speak to us? That's, that's what this means here. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. So the seventh action is this. Don't give people empty words that are demeaning and despairing when you need to give them something tangible. Okay? It's just amazing, again, that James is he's getting down to all these practical things, you know? Um, he, he didn't leave these people with, with platitudes. Um, James... 2, 15 and 16 says, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says, again, with your mouth to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? In other words, those are just empty words. They needed something tangible. And now they were given were empty words. And those empty words were demeaning at that point. They were despairing. Um, you know, you wonder if the person that asked, um, the one in need, kind of knew in the back of their mind that, like, 
I knew this person had something that they could give me tangibly, but all they did were give me words. And uh, that, that makes it all the more demeaning and despairing, right? Um, and that goes along with this proverb, Proverbs 15.4, um, really the, the second half of it. The first half is a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it, perverseness in that tongue, perverseness in it breaks the spirit. And there's just sort of a perverseness in, in giving someone empty words, you know, to that, you know, you're, you, you're giving someone empty words to say something that you could do something about a situation, but you're just saying empty words, maybe to make yourself look better or to make yourself feel better, but you really don't want to lift a finger. You're just throwing some words out there. Um, that's what, what he's talking about here. The eighth action is this. Do not make claims with your mouth that are untrue about your experiences. So James 3.14 says, If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. And I think other translations say, you're going to boast and lie against the truth. Um, so this has to do with, with just um, embellishments and, and lying uh, about things that um, are un untrue. And um, uh, I'm sure Dave's going to go more into this next week. So I, I didn't really expound on this. Um, but here's just some other verses go on. Matthew 12, 36, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. And then Proverbs 26, 28, a lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. And then Proverbs 17, 20, a man of crooked heart does not discover good, and one with a dishonest tongue falls into calamity. So the ninth action is this. Do not speak evil of another. Okay? <clears throat> this is pretty clear. James 4.11 just comes right out and says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And um, Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And then Leviticus 19.16 says, You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. And you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. And um, I think sometimes we, uh, you know, think, oh, I don't speak evil against another. I don't speak evil against brothers and sisters, you know. But sometimes we try to, we do it more slyly, you know, like um, through like pray for so and so because this is what's going on in their lives, and then. You, you list all the dirty laundry or something that's going on in their eyes, and it's like, are you, are you saying that because 
you really are trying to get out a prayer request here, or you're just wanting to like throw out, let everyone know about all that dirty laundry in their lives, because that, you know, I mean, so you could just say, pray for this person, they're really going through a hard time, or something, you know, there's just all kinds of ways that we can, like, um, slander each other that is wrapped in a nice package that doesn't, like, appear to be like we're slandering one another, if, if, if you know what I'm saying. Um, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm guilty as well, and we all need to be careful when we're having conversations with one another that, you know, that we're, we're, we're not crossing that line of, of, of doing this, okay? Um, okay, so now we're in the clubhouse after the ninth <laughs> hole and get some refreshments. Uh, now get back to the tenth tea box. So the tenth action is this. Um, to not speak in a presumptuous manner of boasting. To not speak in a presumptuous manner of boasting, but rather to speak as one who has an awareness of and who is subject to the providence of God. Okay, this comes from James 4, 13 through 16. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So, you know, I, I said to not speak in a presumptuous manner of boasting because that's really what, what these people are doing here. They're, it's not that they're just saying, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? Oh, you know, I was, we got a family dinner with, you know, the, the folks or something. It's, these, these people are speaking in a, in a very presumptuous manner and they're, and, and they're boasting in a very arrogant manner. I mean, as you can see from the end of this verse here, you boast in your arrogance um, um, as if and they're not considering the providence of God. They're, they're not considering. I used to worry about this, you know, and be like, yeah, we're having dinner with my folks. If the Lord wills, you know, I mean, like, God's going to, like, get me if I don't say if the Lord wills or something at the end of my sentence. Like, what are you doing tomorrow? Well, I'm I was going to get up and clean the house. Oh my gosh, I didn't say if the Lord wills. Let me call him back. If the Lord wills, um, I'm just going to clean the house tomorrow. I mean, it's that's. I think what James is trying to say is don't be boasting in presumption about what is going to happen tomorrow or the next day or next week. But have you, we need to walk in an awareness. Uh, that we are subject to the providence of God. And I think that we can live in a manner and talk in a manner that um, has that um, manner to it. I can't think of a word right now, but I hope you guys understand what I'm talking about. The 11th action is this. Do not use our words to grumble against one another. James 5.9 says this, Do not grumble against one another, 
brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And, um, man, it's just, it's just, James is just hitting it from all sides. You know, he's hitting on almost everything that you could think of just in this one book, right? On communication. Um, and, and all these other verses just confirm it, everything else. Philippians 2.14, do all things without grumbling or complaining. 1 Peter 4.9, be hospitable to one another without complaint. You know, just one practical thing, just, okay, be hospitable to one another without complaint. What, what if you had, like, a bunch of brothers and sisters over to your house and for some get-together and um, at the end, everyone's like, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. And then you turn and you look and look at your kitchen and your dining room and there's just like piles of trash and dirty dishes and everything and no one stayed to say, hey, can I help you? Can I help you clean that up? Can I help do the dishes? Can I help like maybe take some trash out? Do you think like, man, I can't believe like no one even offered to help and clean this stuff. I mean, can you look at this? What does Peter say about that? Be hospitable to one another without complaint. I mean, not saying that it wouldn't be nice for someone to offer to help clean up. I mean, actually, now I'm talking here, I'm looking at Laura and Tom thinking like I didn't offer to do anything the other night, so I mean <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's that's not good. Um, but anyway, uh, it, it's just um, uh, so I'm yeah, now I'm feeling convicted. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, th that's 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 what Peter's saying, and, that, and that's do not grumble against one another. So, uh, but if, if you can see where it would be easy, just you know, brothers and sisters, and you know, we are we're brothers and sisters. The church is a body; it's an army. God talks about it's a family, and uh, and we are a family. So, um, <clears throat> so He warns against these things, or. Encourages us to not do these things. The twelfth action is this: to have speech that has integrity, authenticity, and is trustworthy. And um, and, and and this comes from James five twelve. It says, "But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath." But let your yes be yes, and your no, no, be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. And, and the point that I'm getting out of this verse is that he's like, if you are, if you, you're a person of your word, you're just, if you are a person that has integrity, and you have integrity in your speech, and you're authentic in your speech, and you're trustworthy, then, you know, you, you don't have to, you're not swearing, you're not you're not to swear by something to say, oh, I'm really gonna do it, I swear to you, I'm, I'm gonna do it. Um, it's just that you you are a person that has integrity in your speech and, and, and people know it. Um, so 
this is what James is encouraging us to, to be. People, to have speech that has integrity, authenticity, and is trustworthy. Um, I have some verses to go on here. Proverbs 25, 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. Um, honestly, what's funny is I never understood that verse. Um, but it sure sounds good, right? Maybe. <laughs> apples of gold and settings of silver. Maybe you can sell the gold and silver and get something out for it. <laughs> I'll have to look that up. Um, Proverbs 16.24 Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Okay, so now we're going to kind of go rapid fire here on numbers 13 through 17. Um, uh, these are all par threes, I guess. Uh, so... Um, because he just goes real, real pretty quick. They're all like James 13, James 5, 13, 14, 16. Okay, number 13, to speak to God. The action is to speak to God in prayer whenever I am suffering. Okay, and the verse is, is anyone among you suffering, let him pray. Okay, so that's just, it's just that simple. Um, when we're suffering, Speak to God in prayer. Um, 14, to sing praises to God whenever I am cheerful. James 5.13, is anyone cheerful? Let him, with his mouth, sing praise. Um, and then number 15, to ask, to ask for the prayers of others when I am sick. James 5.14, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And then 16, to confess, which you need to use your mouth, to confess my sins to one another when I fail. James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to one another. And then action number 17, to use my words to pray for others. And James 5.16 says, and pray for one another that you may be healed. Um, so all these different things. Uh, and then finally we come to our last action, which is number 18, and we'll call it a par five, a long par five. Par fives can take a long time, right? Um, unless you're Eric, you can get on too, probably. <laughs> um, but, um, and this action is, is this. To speak words of restoration when I see another wandering from the truth. Okay, now, granted, all the other verses so far has had some word that had to do with speak, ask, pray, sing, something that you could tell that had to do with your mouth. This one doesn't, but I'll explain. James 5, 19 and 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So I put this in the category of to speak words of restoration when I see another wandering from the truth is the action because, you know, how else is he bringing them back? Like, you know, I mean, he's going to use his words this person is going to use their words to, to bring back this one wandering. They're going to, 
to love them. They're going to engage with them. They're going to go after them. They're going to have conversations with them, find out what's going on, continue to pursue them, continue to love them, continue to talk with them. And, um, and they're going to speak words of restoration. Um, and it doesn't say that there's a timetable here. So, um, so anyway, <clears throat> that's why it's a part five. Um, so some concluding thoughts. Our tongues can be controlled. Um, the good news is our tongues can be controlled because the Lord Jesus Christ can change our hearts. Um, and we know he did, because if he's done a work of salvation in your life, you know he has changed your heart. And incidentally, the work of the Lord um, was done, was initiated or inaugurated by the word of God in, in our lives. And, um, and the word of God is also meant to sustain its progress um, in our lives. So, so what I wanted to say was my tongue is ongoingly cleansed and transformed by, um, and I'll say it this way, I don't mean to be demeaning, but by what comes from God's tongue or his word. Okay, so our tongues need to be ongoingly cleansed and transformed by what is coming from God's mouth to us. And um, as our heart hears with open ears the word of God again and again, then it can be renewed and, and begin to produce a transformed tongue. And, um, and the principle is this, what comes out of our mouths is to be more and more determined by what has come out of the mouth of God as we allow what comes out of the mouth of God to fill that treasure in our hearts, to fill the treasure of our hearts. Then, um, then that will be what comes out of our mouths. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for your amazing word. Thank you for preserving it, God, and uh, just the access we have to it, and just your amazing wisdom and, and seeing all these things that um, just James wrote to, to these uh, readers, Lord, um, and, and, and to us, and God, all, all we can say is, God, just, um, we need you to transform us, God, by your word, I pray that, I mean, even your word, God, just this week, and looking at this, this week, I mean, caused me to see the error in how I handle the whole situation at work, and And so I just pray that you would transform us, you know, as we as we even come together at least once a week to hear your word in, in a formal setting here, God. But I, I pray that um, you know throughout the week we would we would renew our hearts with your word, and I just pray that you would transform us, God, so that we could um, be Christ-like in our speech and in our communication with those around us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.